This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart! Now go, you heroes of Thra! Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Phil, and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast as we you know, talk all things Dark Crystal, of course. So, um, so for this episode, we're going to continue discussing about Brea, um, this is part two of, the, of our discussions. So um, if you haven't listened to the previous shows, uh, they're definitely, if you go to our website, darkcrystalpodcast.com, or if you just uh, find the podcast on your, um, uh, on your podcast app, uh, you'll be able to uh, track down the, you know, the previous shows that we've been doing. So, um, so we've been doing these character discussions um, based on the characters from Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And we've been doing, um, we, we discussed about Rian and Deet, and now we're sort of up to Brea. And, um, and we, we've part two, of course, um, you know, we, we, we want to go through what, what you guys have said about Brea. Uh, we've had a lot of comments that sort of uh, come out for, uh, for Brea, which we'll definitely get into, but also with us uh, for part two. So, of course, with me, as always, is Sydney. So, Sydney, how are you doing? doing real well um i mean as well as we can be just like in the same boat as all the other people out here especially the americans and especially the californians who are over here grumbling with me and jamie um but <laughs> every, all, all that considered though i'm more than happy to get into talking about brea some more i feel like we could really use um just like we said we we appreciate the deets in the world. I think we certainly appreciate the Breas of the world as well right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and also uh, returning as well is uh, Jamie. So Jamie, uh, yeah, good to have you back and, you know, to have you part of the, you know, the, the discussions. And I know um, there's a lot, you know, you probably want to say about Brea. Um, so it's good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm sort of intermittent these days uh, just because I have two other shows that I run. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to t- I'm just excited to be back to talk about Brea and this world that is just gets better and better every time we see it. I'm sorry, who are you again? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, yeah, I know. Again, it just Age of Resistance is one of those yeah, it just so well made, so brilliant. Just there's just so much so much to love about that show. Um yeah, so I know we we talked about you know I know Cindy and I we we I mean we talked about Brea quite a bit in in the part one discussion, so I might I might start off with you, Jamie, just to you know uh, give you the platform essentially to start off you know what you want to talk about with Brea, like you know 
whether you have, you know, of course you, you probably have quite a lot of Brea moments, uh, your favorite moments um, with her throughout the show. Absolutely. And uh, I talked a little bit about this on the interview that Sydney and I did with Alice Deneen, who is, of course, the puppeteer behind Brea. And when I saw the first photo of Brea, I wasn't sure what to think of her. I didn't, not that I didn't like her, but I was like, I'm a Kira diehard. Like, I live and breathe Kira. She is my rock. She's amazing. And... She's the most, she's the most amazing puppet I've ever seen in my entire life. She's just flawless and so i saw brea and of course i saw deet too at the same time and automatically my eyes and my heart went to deet and with a i'm not sure what i think about her she looks cold and she looks too perfect and she is she is she are they going cg for her like that's what i was going on with the photo and then i started watching the show and i had to pick my jaw up off the floor because that's how amazing she was as a puppet as a character um uh, the voice acting, um, she's just amazing. And her journey through the film or through the show, and she comes from this place of wanting to learn and sort of being book, snar- book smart, but not wise. Those are very different things. Knowledge and wisdom are very different. They can work together, but they also aren't the same. And Brea starts off being very knowledgeable but she's not wise. And then by the time the end of the show is Brea has wisened. Um, so she's definitely a standout for the show. For me, there are a lot of moments, which I'm sure we'll get into in a bit um, of her that I love. Um, just, she is the dark crystal. She is. I mean, she is the heart that beats in the age, in age of resistance as much as Deet is as well. But Brea upstages everyone she's in front of. It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she, I mean, she, literally holds the you know the crystal shard at the end so uh yeah yeah pretty pretty right about that actually yeah (laughs) and also uh, an interesting thing to note about brea that um i don't recall if we had really gotten into last time or not but i was thinking about how brea really comes from a position of privilege as far as the gelfling go she's in a position of that maybe for other Gelfling could have utilized that position to just be ignorant and um, be complacent with what they have and the fact that she's kind of sitting on the top, you know, as far as the Gelfling culture and society goes, she's got it pretty made sitting in the, you know, she's a literal princess and has everything she could ever want. Technically, she starts off in episode one with this huge expansive library and the freedom to basically do whatever she wants to with what she has and um she could have very easily been a, a celadon <laughs> and she was different she utilized that position of privilege that she had to learn and to be empathetic and to be compassionate and you know in in opposition to um with deep where she's inherently compassionate and comes from a place that's like the polar opposite of Brea. She is coming from the bottom, literally. And she's been fine with that. It's not like she felt like she was lacking in any way, but in juxtaposition with Brea, who's sort of at the top of the food chain, but she still makes the best of that position to to be compassionate. It's very interesting. Yeah, I I think that uh, it it is interesting. And, And if you relate it to real life, sometimes you have people who are born into wealth 
and they don't think twice about it and they they just go about there you know the paris hilton's where they just i'm rich and it's hot and whatever but then you have other people who are born into wealth i think about someone like um Her- prince harry who was you know is diana's son and he has a heart for the poor he has a compassion and he stepped away from his his wealth i mean he's still very wealthy of course and he always will be but like brea he understands the responsibility that's in front of him but it took him a while to get there much like it's taken it takes brea so i think her position and you you have these it's definitely a caste system where you have brea comes from wealth rianne is definitely the blue collar hard-working work for the and then you have the desolate poor, which are the Grottons who live literally underground. And they make, you know, they're sort of the hobbits of the Gelflings. They make do with what they have and they're very content with what they have. Um, it's, it's a great dynamic. Yeah, none of them start in a place of really being dissatisfied with their place in life. I mean, you kind of get that a little bit from Rianne um, in his relationship with his father. You know, there's still some... Uh, unrest as far as that's concerned but for the most part you know before what happens with Mira he's just living his life and on the right path toward what he thinks is the ultimate goal of getting to be in the position that like his father is in and you know being a successful soldier and things like that like he didn't know there was anything wrong he was content with what he had and um before the inciting incident of losing Mira. And then same sort of deal with with Deet, where she had a happy life. She was perfectly content to keep living underground and be sort of blissfully ignorant to the world above her. And and then Brea could have very easily have just been, again, complacent and content and blissfully ignorant of the world below her. Um, But she took it upon herself to, um, to learn because that's sort of her her drug is knowledge <laughs> and asking questions and that's the first thing we learn about hers you know she has this humongous library at her fingertips but she still wants more classic disney princess syndrome of i you know i want more of the world outside and thank goodness that she feels that way what would you guys say is the actual inciting incident from Berea's perspective because you could pretty clearly define it from the other two of the main three, like you could clearly define Rian's inciting incident of, okay, stuff just got real when Mira gets killed. And then with Deet, it's, you know, seeing the darkening and um, the sanctuary tree. With Brea, there's a couple of moments that you could kind of pinpoint of her. It's not just like one distinct moment necessarily. There's sort of more of a journey, but what do you guys think is the most clear moment of no, this is my new purpose in life. Things are different now. I think it's a cascade of things. I think one of the first moments is the tithing ceremony. And she's like, what is going on? And then she sees her mother with the necklace, who clearly doesn't need it, who clearly, you know, it's it's a family heirloom from the Gelfling that gave it up. I think that was like, she didn't even want to dream fast with her mother. That was, for me, the straw that broke the camel's back. And then she went on a, a, a journey of discovery, like, well, what is this? What's happening? And, she, you know, I think Brea is not only a truth seeker, she's a whistleblower. Yeah. And she she can afford to be because she's royalty. So who's mm-hmm. going to, aside from the Skeksis, what are people going to do? Nothing. She gets yeah. scolded by her sisters and her mother, but she can whistleblow and find truth. Of course, it does get her in trouble. Um, but I really do think that the tithing ceremony was the the catalyst for her 
Um, and Brea is interesting in the, in the sense that she understands that once you find out truth, truth demands responsibility. Oftentimes people say that they want to know the truth, but really the reality is people don't because once you know the truth, it then commands you to act. And yeah. are you going to? And oftentimes people are like, no, I don't want to know. Why don't they want to know? Because once they know, then they have to do something. Yeah. And if they don't do anything, then they feel guilty. And I think you see that all over Brea. She yeah. has to do something. She has to say something. She has to tell her mother. She has to explain this to other people because the system is rigged against you and it's wrong. She's yeah. fascinating. Just so many, there are so many moments with Brea um, when, I mean, because my first instinct was just, you know, when she wanted to know the truth and that seeing that Oriole symbol was sort of the beginning sort of of her, of her journey. But I mean, I definitely agree with you, Jamie, that in, in a way, you know, for her seeing like, like just what, I mean, it's so, so shocking in a way, you know, just to see Mordra um, May and just wearing that pennant, it's just like, you know, there's no reason, you know, for, for her to wear that at all. It's just like, and and, I, and it was actually really great, you know, at the end of episode one where um, you see that, you know, Brea took it, you know, took that little um, heirloom and returned it back to the owner and, you know, writing on her journal. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, yeah, from that, you know, I, I kind of agree probably even that was probably the first sort of stepping stones you had all these little stepping stones essentially. And I think that was what definitely one of them, the, the Skeksis book of law, the Oriole symbol. And I think really the biggest thing is probably being at the, um, uh, in the, through the passageway and, you know, uh, seeing all the, you know, trying to figure out what she thought was a riddle about the seven clans and, you know, which one's high and low, and then sort of figuring out, wait, no, you know, it's all a lie essentially that, you know, there is, you know, there's no such thing as high in law, high old, you know, law that there shouldn't be sort of thing. So, and discovering law, um, you know, when the, all, that, all, that, all that happened, like that's when it probably clicked even more so for her. Yeah. Yeah. Now the world is different than I thought it was before. I, my responsibility has changed. Um, and it is also interesting to note too, that when Brea gives that necklace back to the, to the farmer family, um, I don't think she gives any sort of indication that it was her who did it. Like, she doesn't leave a note with it that says, like, you're welcome from Brea. Like, it was, she, it just mattered to her that the right thing was done. It didn't matter that anybody knew she did it. That that goes to show also what kind of a heart she has and what kind of empathy she has because she doesn't really care that anybody knows yeah, she doesn't Whether, want the, the credit yeah. or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by all means, like it. You know, they could have just thought, oh, maybe Maldrum May, you know, personally actually did that. So, um, it it would be actually interesting if there, there was like a scene where they actually like thanked Maldrum May and like, oh, thank you so much for giving us a, the heirloom back. And then she's like, what? I didn't do that. <laughs> That's really interesting because I feel like that would have been a good moment for Marin to, like, for her moment of realizing oh, they, they think that I did that and that that would make me a good ruler if I had done that and I'm questioning everything. Like, I don't know, I feel like that's a good moment that that should have happened. Not that I regret anything, but I wouldn't have hated that moment. That's not a bad idea. Especially now that I'm reading, you know, comics about Mayrin from beforehand and um, I feel like more moments like that to make her more sympathetic and um, 
because it's really hard to see her in that light after that moment where Brea sees her wearing the necklace and that moment of oh, you're a part of this and like um, you're a part of this system that that is clearly not right my own mother and the ruler of all of us is you know like it's um it would have been hard to sympathize with her and to, it was really telling for the show that we were able to actually feel sad and remorse when when she eventually gets killed because it very easily could have been like ah she deserved it she was a horrible queen or whatever you know yeah and i mean yeah that like that was the most shocking death even though it was like for us we sort of knew about her death almost like almost a year ago before the show even came out and um but we yeah. didn't know why no. or like how we didn't know the details no. of it. so that was yeah cool. i know yeah so that was sort of like yeah back then was so interesting like that was like very shocking i'm just like wow what like i wonder how that, they're gonna tell this in the show it's like <laughs> a bit of a spoiler um but yeah but the the main arc has been uh, pretty good actually i mean you know as of this recording we're up to the first issue um of of mayan and um yeah it's been, pre been pretty good and we've actually interviewed the the author um of the arc uh, Matthew. such a cool dude so check he, that out if you haven't oh yeah he was awesome yeah yeah so yeah they'll they'll be up in the future episode of trial by stone so um and based on you know based on what we you know chatted to him i think you know there's definitely a lot to look forward to with the rest of the arc um that for sure and um and hopefully more insight into Brea from that as yes, well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Like where she comes from. Yeah. Who's her daddy? Yeah, I know. Or other. We want to know this. <laughs> Does she have a daddy? Does she have one, or is she a cabbage? Is Thra her daddy? Yeah. 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 Everyone's daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I know. So yeah, just a lot of great moments with Brea, and um, which I, I mean, we might as well chat about. Like, I mean, for you, Jamie, is probably. I think I sort of talked about a lot, like, you know, sort of hinted about it, but I think, it, I mean, it, one, sort of probably one of your favorite sort of intros for episode three, but I know you got another one as well that you probably want to chat about as well, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, so my favorite, I, yeah, the intro to episode three is when you see Brea with the Order of Lesser Service and the camera pans from her feet yeah. to her face, and she's just got this expression on her face, mm -hmm. and it's hilarious, and she's, you know, with the order of lesser service, she doesn't want to be. She knows she's called to do something bigger, be a part of, you know, find the truth. And right now she's just being distracted by what she thinks is somewhat stupidity. And she's got to, and just her the whole banter about what they have to do with the podlings and they have to clean them and one gets away. And um, what's funny about it, yeah, it, I just love the back and forth between she's trying to reason with the podling is just a hilarious scene. It's great to be, to see some dynamics between the Gelflings and the podlings to see that the Gelflings really care for the podlings. The Gelflings yeah. are really like the shepherds of the podlings in some way. Um, they're very low, like base level. Um, but then you meet D, uh, Hup and Hup isn't, Hup is far more. Um, progressed, uh, I guess. Progressed and, just uh, per, like he's just he's just come into his own person in a way that you don't see the other podlings. But of course, this is a show about gelflings, not podlings. So I'm yeah. sure if they did a show about podlings, we might know them a little bit better. But I just love the interaction that deep, that uh, Brea has with the podlings. Her disgust. You can see some of her like royal like disgust. It's like oh my god, why am I here? When um, she you see that come out in her. Hat when she's like oh. yes. 
Yes. Uh, it's just, it's really, really brilliant. Another great scene would be her riding in the carriage with the scroll keeper and mm. um, the collector. Just classic dark crystal. It's just yeah. luminous. Her expressions, her eyes getting wide while the scroll keeper has that long, gooey pustule okay. dripping. Um, just the questions, the way she looks like, can I see that library? Like, I just love it. I love it. Yeah. I could watch that scene over and over. Yeah, that would probably have to be my favorite she can read. scene as well. <laughs> yeah, there's so much insight into each of the characters and then into the bigger picture from just that scene. That's That, I think, is what makes it so great because there's so much that we're learning about Brea and we're learning about this new Skeksis that we haven't met yet. But also, there's so many little hints about bigger things in the lore that we're going, oh, wait, there's a library? Tell us more about that. I'm right there with Brea. Like, we're kind of with Brea, like we're seeing this through her eyes, like we also want to know more. Like, no, no, I have more questions too. Tell us more about that library. What do you mean you used to be beautiful and then came knowledge? Can you tell us more about that? Like there's- Exactly, yeah. We are I mean, Brea in that moment. Absolutely, yeah. Cause I, I actually remember like watching that first episode and that scene, I'm just like, ooh, I wonder if that's going to come into the play in the show. Like, you know, we're going to see a Skeksis library or something like that, which didn't happen. And um. And it's sort of, I think we talked about, I think on part one, I sort of speculate about, you know, it would be great to see a Skeksis library in season two, just to sort of follow on from that scene and, um, and all that kind of stuff. So that's sort of like what I'm, or yeah, I know this, I know this one book. book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. So yeah, I know. So it's all, all a lot of fun, you know, thinking about all these things like that. Yeah. I love that scene so much. And I agree that it is sort of like the spirit of the original movie as well, like you said, Jamie. Like, it's it's funny, but there's also a sense of dread, and, like, it's kind of sort of a horror You don't know what's going to happen to her in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, is she not going to make it through this? Like, I'm yeah. kind of afraid for her right now. Um, yeah, yeah. Because the, the way that they're looking at her and the she looks like she's in danger and mm -hmm. you already even though it's so early on in the show you're already like no i like her i hope she's okay but what's, <laughs> what's interesting about that scene though is the only people who think she might be in danger are us because we know where they end up yeah. at that point with skeksis and gelflings they get along the skeksis are lords that's what they know yeah. brea, brea might be a little intimidated to be in there but she's not afraid for her life but yeah. we are um, we know more than Brea does, which is an interesting place to put like your audience. Yeah, I yeah. Um, so and I just, and I love how fascinated the scroll keeper is with Brea. Mm -hmm. He almost takes her in just a bit. They're similar people. They want knowledge. They like to learn. They like new things. Like they find commonality. Yeah, almost. Um, and I love that. I love that we get a hint into life before the Skeksis turned against the gelflings we're seeing all of that unfold it's very myth it's a lot of myth mythology you know when kira and jen go into the houses of the old ones which is of course stone in the wood um you there you he's like i can hear something feel it almost and they're hearing the echoes of sort of a life gone by and they're hearing the echoes of brea and the scroll keeper and all of those things it's just it's magic yeah absolute magic um, that's a great word for it. And I, I love scenes like that in, in filmmaking where the audience has more information than the characters. Um, and it, it can be a tricky scene, I'm sure, as you know, to, to accomplish because you could easily make it like, that could be boring potentially if you already know and you're just waiting for the characters to figure it out. 
but in the case of Age of Resistance and specifically this scene with Brea, but also the whole show, really, there's we all inherently know so much more about where everything leads than any of the characters know, except maybe Agra. <laughs> but and and then we're kind of Agra in that respect, so that's there's another interesting layer. The audience is um, our point of view shifts so frequently like sometimes we're experiencing things like Brea constantly wanting questions and wanting to know more and sometimes we're Agra and we're like oh I know what that is and I see all I see many paths with our third eye as the audience here um but that scene is is a wonderful example of it because we know enough but also there's some stuff we don't know that we're wanting to know more of it's just oh, this show let's watch it again let me just watch it again let's do that <laughs> yeah i know there's so much that we just want to know about the show and like you know while we're sort of getting you know a couple of books are sort of popping up um you know the comics and uh i think with joe's book the songs of the seven gelfland clans which um will be out now by the time the show is out so yeah it's always you know all these little things little bits and pieces that we sort of you know try and you know get it all together so it's sort of um yeah a lot to look forward to um yeah that's for sure yeah um so i was just thinking about i don't know um uh whether to go through some emails and through some comments or people that um uh posted about uh brea so so basically i did a shout out or the shout out i i posted on the crystal shard i um asked for you know because part two of course i wanted to dedicate it to to, to you guys the listeners um about uh brea and i thought i might just go start off with one um i think from cilia and uh she wrote um a lot of what i love in terms of great moments has been said there already but i i think that what makes brea so so important is the fact that she's the only one of the main trio who had a choice whether or not to get involved uh rian witnessed the skeksis atrocities firsthand and ended up hunted by them and forced to run uh Deke discovered that the darkening was beginning to kill her home and that but Brea uh Brea just saw something that didn't quite sit right with her that's all uh she came from the most uh, privileged of all of them and she absolutely could have just put the incident with the farmer's wife out of her mind and returned to that but both her curiosity and her inner sense of justice uh, would not allow her to do that so she pushed and she demanded the truth even when it meant uh, sacrificing her own privilege uh, because she realized it had been given her, given to her at the expense of others. Um, that is powerful. And I think hits home for a lot of us right now. I genuinely wish that I'd had her to look up to as a kid. Um, so I mean, this is something we all, yeah, we just talked about, you know, um, the, the choices that she makes. Um, and it, even through yourself, Jamie, you mentioned yeah, about the whole farmer's wife thing that, um, that sort of became, yeah, like, a part of the show where you know she could just let it slide just like okay you know it is what it is move along sort of thing but no she you know went and um you know took action um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and she took i mean and what's interesting about brea as well is oh it was only brea that could have done what she could have that she did it was only brea that could have made questioned authority in the way that she could because she of her birthright um she's she does it in a way that deet never could and never would because that's not who deet is and Rhea, you know everyone had their separate journeys brea had to do what she had to do it was almost um prophetical 
in a way. I mean, I don't know if there's if they'll be revealed that what's going on right now with the Age of Resistance, if there's a prophecy for that as well. But it's definitely prophetical. Is that a right word? Is that the, prophetical? Prophetic is, that, is the word you want. Prophetic? Prophetic, okay. yeah. Prophetic. Okay, definitely prophetic. Um, You're prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I. It, it's just really fascinating. And what's fascinating is that she reveals a truth and then that truth reveals another truth. Every question she asks leads her to a better question, leads her to a bigger question. And it's a little scary for her too. Um, by the time she ends up in the chamber below her mother's throne, that's kind of scary. You don't know really what, what's going to happen, why she's there. But what I love so much about that scene below her in the chamber, below her mother's throne is it's actual dismantling of the construct she is born into. She's saying, oh, Grottens are first, and, or I'm sorry, Vaprins are first. She's going through dismantling of that idea. Um, she Using all of her assumptions to try and figure out what's happening, and she reads the, that little prophecy or that quote on the, um, above the, the doorway, um, and then by the time she leaves, she sees everything in a different way. And But it's a, her quest for truth that pushes her and pushes her and pushes her into... Um, this reality that then encompasses everyone. It's beautiful. Yeah. And the fact that she recognizes like, Oh, these are the, um, the predispositions that I have and that I was raised with. And I need to question those. Like she recognizes that these are ideas that are instilled in her because her instinct is to put the Gelfling in the correct order. And then she checks herself. She goes, Oh, I'm wrong which is, of course, one of the bravest things you can do as a sentient being to acknowledge when something that you are so certain of and raised into is actually incorrect and you need to change it. That's, you know, if only more of humanity could do that, recognize like, oh, I might be wrong, let me admit that and see what I can do to change it. Um, they didn't say that Brea was perfect and that she was already, you know, knew that her... Um, way of life was wrong to begin with we see her recognize and change and that's super powerful like really really powerful so I agree I love that moment and just the, 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 the question why why are things this way she's reading about you see the the book she's reading and you see the the castle of the crystal and then the gelfling marching into the castle with like gifts to bring the skexies like why why are they doing that they don't need to do that do the Skeksis, they even, Skeksis don't even need it, but they just collect it because that's the way things are. That's the order of things. And uh, when that's dismantled, of course, the Skeksis realize, okay, our way of life is in jeopardy. And of course, then they also realize that, hey, there's essence and we can live forever if we drink them, essentially. Um, so things become even more dire. But yeah, it's it's just, it's really, it's, it's a, you have to be prepared to, again, back to the truth. You have to be prepared for, for the truth. And if you're not prepared for the truth, then don't go looking for it. Yeah, because a lot of people think they want the truth, but they don't think about, well, then what? what? What happens once I know it? They don't think past beyond that point and recognize that there's so much gravity to having the truth, like you were saying. Um, my favorite comment actually from that thread came from um, Mary Lou Gam Marie Lou Gamgee who if that's your real last name that's pretty rad and if not mad props um, 
But she says, while while other characters like Agra D and the Mystics are more attached to nature, I love how Brea represents the beauty of culture. Her love of books, anthropology, history, justice, everything reflects the ethic and poetry of the Gelfling kind slash humankind. She proves that you can be girly and smart, smart but never haughty. Um, but I, I agree that Brea represents the beauty of culture. That's interesting. I, I love that concept that we see so many characters in this franchise who are tied to nature and the natural order of things and um, being connected to Thra and the things that always have been and always will be. But Brea represents a love of culture and learning and part of that culture is exactly what we were just talking about. Recognizing when things need to change and evolve and be questioned and always seeking answers um that's just that's super cool that we have a character who represents that culture because that is something that we missed from the, from the movie originally was that aspect of culture yeah because i mean in the movie i mean you know all that was left is jen and kira and you know we we didn't even know like what you know they didn't you know wasn't like stated on the movie oh you know they're from this clan or that clan so it was all like really up in the air um and that's the one thing i loved about like you've age of resistance how it just sort of really expanded on you know the lore and really getting to know a lot more of the gelfling clans um than we would ever you know in our in our lives like you know never imagine oh we're gonna get this 10 episode prequel series for you know this one film franchise you know it's sort of it's 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 still it's still crazy to think about that you know even now um yeah <laughs> it's the power of the fans and the the audience you know, with if fans of the Dark Crystal hadn't been as loudly supportive <laughs> and continued to be as as for lack of a better word, geeky as we are, you know, over the last couple of decades, you know, it might have just been an obscure artsy movie that only the cool kids know about. Um, but instead, look what happened because we uh, let our let our spirit shine, sort of, and then never you know stopped any opportunity to talk about how much we love it and to ask for more and then i always go back to the fact that the the author quest you know the sort of opening the door to this this world that we have now in the prequels it's sort of started with the author quest and just the concept of that let's ask the fans for stories and what they think you know i know yeah exactly and and really yeah i mean as i've said many times like the author quest is what really started the podcast uh was sort of you know looking forward to new dark crystal content and you know the author quest was sort of well at least we had these books to look forward to that's all we were thinking we we're going to get you know some more comics some more uh, well, books and comics but uh yeah i think never in our lifetime we imagine that we'd get you know this 10 episode series you know that back to puppets and you know just just going back into the world of thra once again and um you know i know we're still you know trying to have our fingers crossed for season two i know we're still still being quiet but you know who knows what's um what the future holds for age resistance so yeah let's see what the <laughs> emmys sure. say dominic nardi had a really good point dominic's a friend of mine mm -hmm. he's one of the mods in my group he follows my other podcasts um big up, dark, dark crystal fan he says, I love the moment after Bray enters the hidden chamber under the throne. She's confronted with a puzzle asking her to put the Gelfling clans in their natural order. Brea puzzles over it, Brea puzzles over it, but then begins to wonder why she assumes some Gelfling are of higher order than others. She correctly concludes that all clans are equal. It's a beautifully sincere moment. It very much carries on Jim Henson's belief that children's shows should teach wisdom and morality. It's painfully relevant given 
the current events. And that's, yeah, I, it's so true. The idea that we are all equal and we've always been equal. There's, there's been things put in place to make us think that we're not equal. And uh, there's different groups of people suffering under that. Um, and it's the same is true in the Age of Resistance. And you see the different clans, you know, have different different order and different, like, you know, when, when Deep goes into Stone in the Wood, they look down upon her because of who she is. They look down upon her because she's a dirty grotten and they assume she's dirty. And they, how, how long has it been since you've washed your hands? Like, pretty, it's actually pretty racist things they're saying to her. Um, but oh. she's a little bit naive to it. But she's like, you know, have you washed your hands? Like you're just a dirty, like essentially like you, you dirty race of people. Um, it's pretty, but people don't get that part because that's not the kind of like racism that we live with. We live with things that are more overt or even if they're understated, we can pick up on those clues or those cues. And yeah. in, in Thra, um, a racist statement is you're dirty. When do you clean yourself? Where are you from? I thought you guys were dead. Um, just throw away, get out of here. We don't want you here. Yeah. It's very interesting. Well, and, it's also uh, going to land differently if you grew up underground, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that scene under um, the throne room is an equalizer. Everything is equalized in front in Brea's eyes. Everyone then becomes equal. It's amazing. And, and then she sort of becomes like, you know, so little bit of leader i mean especially like you know when you know she's talking to the thousand the dozen leaders and um sort of yeah you know being the communicator i guess you know for you know and meeting all the different tribes and stuff you know i mean well really it was just just really the dozens um because of course after that then everyone sort of split off um but yeah sort of you know for her to you know communicate with the dozens to get to well, they needed to go um and yeah and i'm just so curious about like you know where where we're going to see brea if we do get a season two with her um because to me i just sort of felt like towards the end that she seems to be you know she might end up being you know the leader um, of the show but um you know meanwhile with um dean Bra uh, dean and rian sort of you know you know, for Rianne to try and find deep back and all, you know, all the things that happened to her, um, with the darkening. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, um, yeah, well, what, what will happen to Brea, um, in the future adventures. So. <laughs> also on a more spicy note, what happens with her and Rakir? Is there actually something there? And, um, or, you know, everybody wants to theorize about her and Kylan and I, that's just, you know, so more questions we all have. We are all channeling our inner Brea right now and just want to learn more. How can we learn more if we don't ask any questions and nobody is answering them? <laughs> Speaking of Rakir, the Seafin, or wait, is he Doosan? He's Doosan. Yeah, he's Doosan. They need a whole episode of discussion. They're like the mysterious clan that no one's talking about. Mm-hmm. And they're the most visually interesting. And they have this whole mantra of like, I'm ready to die. They're like the Native American culture almost. They're ready. They're they're warriors. They're they're not just warriors. They're also sages. Yes. Fascinating. I love it. Yeah, Joe Lee gets a little bit more into their culture and his books. And there's some great. There's a really great couple of chapters where they go there and everything. But it just 
even if you have read that, you come away from it wanting to see that in puppet form and wanting it expanded on and wanting to see their interactions more because that culture is absolutely fascinating and, and like you said, derived from some cultures that we can think of that that are it's in, that inspired it and it's really cool to see that kind of representation for that sort of like that sort of spirituality and for those um indigenous peoples and things like that so i just i agree i think if we did get another season it would be amazing to see more from that side of thra absolutely yeah and i was just thinking about the dudes and it's like they worship death and you think um you think that's something that skeksis you know would want you know to be you know be part of the guards of the castle but then again i just realized well skeksis they actually do fear death more than anything you know they they want to live forever so that's i'm like now i'm just you know thinking about that i'm like oh well that totally makes sense why the dozens you know then they're not part of you know the skeksis sort of hierarchy you know i mean of course the whole order of things you know is based on sort of their hierarchy you know with the vaporant on top and grottons are below but i think the dozens are probably second last almost like you know it's we don't want to know about this death you know we we want to live forever they're weird (laughs) they're the creepy goth guys who like death but if you think about it in in gelfling culture though they have a really interesting perspective on death in the first place because it's super important for them to be returned to thra and that cycle of being born of thra and returned to thra so yeah it makes sense that one of their clans would um when you say worship death we automatically think of like our human ideology about death but for gelfling it's a very different sort of thing um depending on you know what culture you come from but the gelfling idea of death is very different in general than what a lot of us especially westerners are um accustomed to and so yeah when we say that they worship death it's not that they you know sit around and just like yeah we all want to die it's that they respect the order of existence and being returned back to the earth and the cycle of life so uh fascinating stuff absolutely yeah and and you know who knows i think we'll probably hopefully get a little bit of that in joe's book um that songs of the seven gaffling clans and um yeah so yeah <laughs> so yeah hopefully we get you know a really good chapter about the deucens and you know what they get up to mm-hmm. so and some pretty artwork yeah, a too, lot. i hope yeah i i yes, can't yeah. wait to see what the deucens um cl- they're I guess their neighborhood, their cities, or their villages, what they look like, because they're very tribal-looking mm-hmm. people, very colorful. Um, oh, I can't wait! Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. And Joe describes in the in the book like this really cool oasis that's like where their central tree is, where they go and they have their meditations and everything. And it's just, oh, I I want to see pictures of that <laughs> and more details about that. Um, but I think Brea would too, honestly. I, f- I feel like when that's why when Brea meets Rick here, she's immediately kind of taken with him because if you think about it, the Deucen culture is so drastically different from the Vaporin culture and what she grew up around and her worldview and the, the lens that she had in front of her, her entire upbringing. And now she's finally out in the world and she gets to see this other culture that's both super different from what she's used to, but also in many ways it's it's beautiful and she's fascinated by it like this is a whole library uh, in a way of new knowledge that i don't have <laughs> so she's i think that's where uh, i think that vibe with rakir comes from too it's not necessarily that she's having a physical attraction just to him i think it's also on a 
larger scale, she's interested in that culture and in that knowledge that comes with it because there's more stuff I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we just got a lot to look forward to. And um, I, actually, I think, I don't know if this has been mentioned, but I know, um, uh, I think um, Javier Grillo, uh, who, who wrote um, the um, episodes, you know, with the Doosan clan and going to the Circle of the Seven Sons. And I think um, the, the name, Rakia, is actually a, a reference, a Star Trek reference to um, uh, to Riker from um, Star Trek oh, Next Generation. My goodness, <laughs> what? That's, uh, no. that's a fun tidbit I didn't know. Oh really? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Really interesting. I think it was like just a rearrange. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, oh, I remember my like. Goodness, no wonder he's a ladies' man. <laughs> oh my! It all makes sense now. Should have given him a beard. But oh. Rick here is. 10 times the character of Riker. Sorry, Star mm. Star Trek fans. Yeah. Fair. I mean, that's fair, but Riker's it's way more class, way more panache. Yeah. 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 Mm. Much more colorful Indeed, yeah. in every sense of the word. Yes. Sure. More handsome, even as a puppet. <laughs> fair. Yeah. That's a fun uh, tidbit. Yeah, I know. I'm glad I know that. Oh, thank Did you, you thank know you. that yeah, Brea yeah. was named after the street? Le- Le Bre- I'm Shut up. It was not. <laughs> no way. I read that. I, I'm i sorry. Yeah, that's a cute fact. Like, it is. I'm not trying to hate on the fact that they named Brea after La Brea. It is, it's cute. I like that. Um, especially as someone who grew up on La Brea, you know, in Hollywood and spent my, my afternoons walking down La Brea and walking past, you know, that kermit on top of that building and wishing i could go in there and like i yeah it's probably like charlie in the chocolate factory for you wasn't it a hundred percent absolutely hundred percent you know 15 year old me stood outside of that gate literally looking like charlie bucket standing outside the factory yeah i mean uh, absolutely yeah that that was like that actually for me like back in 2015 like you know we went to star wars celebration anaheim and and of course met with you jamie for the first time but I was in LA for a good couple of days and, you know, and we were just walking, walking past and I, you know, then I noticed it coming in the front. Oh my God. It's like, Oh, that's the Jim Henson company. Like right there. And yeah, it was a bit like that. It's like, Oh, I just want to just go in. But yeah. And then, then, you know, four years later, get to, uh, get to visit them. And yeah, it was such a great time last year. I was, yeah. it was similar for me. I, I worked at the Apple store in downtown LA, which is the Grove. And I lived on Beachwood and Franklin, which was in Hollywood. So, um, and I would walk to the, I also worked for the Virgin Megastore on Hollywood and Highland for about a year. I know, I know. Um, And, but I remember after, I think I worked for Apple before Virgin, but I remember taking the bus to Apple and I would, it would go by um, the Jim Henson studios all the time and i remember you know hearing it used to be charlie chaplin's studio and just looking thinking oh my god there's henson's and then 11 uh nine years later i get to go in twice i go in once because i had a personal invite with a friend who was doing a writer study there so i went in and the second time we went in as guests with phil and it changed everything yeah yeah. I still have you been inside? Been no, I yeah, haven't. I still yeah, have it's not. It's by invite only, unfortunately, oh. but it's amazing. Well, because you know, uh, Skek- Skekva, she's there, mm-hmm. yep. the original, and mm-hmm. you know, there's that photo of me in film in front of her. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I know. You guys are a million times. Is it Skekva? Is that her name? 
Oh no, skek skek act. We were pinching yeah, ourselves yeah, the whole I'm, time. Yeah, I know. We there, like <laughs> we couldn't even believe it. And then of course they take us up to the offices and we meet Howie Stanford and um everybody and it's it was amazing. Yeah. I can't even believe that I'm, we met Donna Kimball. Um Oh my gosh. That was pretty cool too. I'm only mildly. Sorry, I don't mean to drop. I'm just I, I'm not I don't bring this up to be like, oh I just still I just still like pinch myself that twenty nineteen happened. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. What a day that was, Phil. We'll be talking about that till we're dead. Me and Phil are going to be buried next to each other. He'll be buried buried next to his wife. Holding hands. I'll be buried next to him. Yeah. They visited Henson together. (laughs) And they met Louis Leterrier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows what the next couple of years could bring and what other opportunities could, could come along. You know, there's... The world is all over the place right now, but five years ago, we never could have imagined that 2019 would have happened. And who knows mm-hmm. what 2021 or 22 has. And honestly, it's going to happen in the blink of an eye. Next thing you know, we're all, it's going to be another five years from now. So, Well, the two-year well. wait between... The two-year wait between the announcement and the show was the longest two years of my life. Dude, legit. That feels like it was 10 years ago yeah. when it was announced and me and Phil were talking about it and all the excitement and, oh, the, oh my God, oh my God, is anything going to, nothing leaked, nothing leaked, and then something leaked, and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. Um, uh, then things get taken down pretty soon after. <laughs> yeah. The, and yeah, then that yeah. dreaded poster day when they were like, oh, we're going to get a trailer, and then we got a poster, and we were yeah. like, hey. <laughs> yeah and then and then you had some listeners or some fans like they were like you know in, you know waiting like you know 3 a.m in the morning and it's like oh we just got this poster that's all we got i stayed and up for this <laughs> i mean thanks yeah. <laughs> yeah. i know we are I know, such so. ungrateful it, brats it, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so no it'll, it'll be very interesting i mean especially with 2022 being the 40th anniversary of the original film that started all the dark crystals so it's it's going to be interesting to see um you know of course we're still getting some more things to look forward to this year with the comics and a couple of books here and there it's going to be more interesting interesting to see what will happen in 21 uh whether that's going to be a bit of a quiet year um and whether things sort of ramp up a bit more in 22 for the 40th anniversary so yeah it's going to be a very interesting couple of years that's for sure where sort of things seem a bit up in the air in regards to age of resistance but um yeah we're certainly hoping for the best yeah. Yeah. fingers crossed for an emmy nod at least a nomination or two because that could that could be it you know that could be the deciding factor netflix is waiting on for all we know that i mean of course just speculation nobody quote us because everything else is there the fans love it the critics love it it's top 10 list listed it's all there People with an emmy nod it. yeah 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 we're having a thrawathon coming up soon Ooh. in about Ooh. a month. Yep. Um, and of course, all of the endless creations and artists out there. The Dark Crystal community is so full of amazing artists who have been just creating the most amazing work that this past year inspired by Age of Resistance and even inspired by the original film as well. There's so many great artists out there that you know it's why I kind of I want to take a little second each episode to like feature one and talk about them because I just feel like that's a huge part of what keeps this franchise alive too is the fact that even now decades later there are still creators out there inspired to create because of this world and now we have 
10 hours of inspiration new to us to keep creating things. So um, definitely check out, you know, go out into the interwebs and check out all of the art that's out there, all of the amazing creators and makers who are doing just awesome work inspired by this world. And I really, really hope that Netflix and Henson are paying attention to that. The inspiration is just so contagious. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, and, and that's a great thing about it with social media because all you need to do is you just need, you know, search hashtag Dark Crystal, hashtag the Dark Crystal. And, you know, there's always people, um, yeah, a lot of fans, you know, like posting, a lot of artists posting, you know, just fan art. And, um, you know, where it's super fun or some, you know, some interesting sort of, alternate universe sort of crossovers here and there and uh it, but it's all it's all good fun and um and that's what i love about you know seeing seeing all that happening you know with dark crystal just uh, the amount of creativity that sort of comes into play um and yeah we just hope that you know that sort of hopefully you know sparks a lot more for our netflix and you know if you know i think as of this uh, as is as of this recording um probably the emmy nominations will be a bit be announced by now but um, but if we did get any nom nominations uh, for, you know, Dark Crystal, that'd be it'd just, just be amazing. And hopefully, yeah, you know, it'll, you know, more, more stepping stones, you know, it'll be a, a, a big push, you know, hopefully for Netflix to be like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we should look back at the show and maybe we should do another season. So if Emmys were decided yeah. by audience votes, <laughs> then yeah. for sure it'd be, we, we would not let up. Yeah. <laughs> Smash that vote yes. button. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. All right, so I think we'll probably wrap it up for this episode of Trial by Stone. So I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And yeah, I mean, you know, while things were still, you know, waiting for what things to come for Age Resistance, there's still, again, so much to look forward to. We've still got more character discussions to get into. So, which I think our next one is going to be uh, Hup, um, which, of course, Sydney, you've been uh, doing a lot of the, the fan art for the Patreon for Trial by Stone. Everyone's so, favorite potato. Yeah. Yes, and that's one you've been working on, so I can't wait to see. Almost uh, my favorite character, I think, from the yeah. show. Yeah, he's yeah, he's up there for sure. He's fantastic. Definitely. I can't wait. Yeah. I know, and, and I always like keep looking at the, um, the weather figurines. Uh, they're just so amazing. I'm like... Like I'm, it's so tempting just to get Brea and and Harp, you know, just because they they join together, you oh, know, the side by side, someday. and it's ah, uh, you know. <laughs> someday when it's not the apocalypse and I'm rolling yes, yeah. in riches, first place it's getting exactly, my money yeah. is what. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. So um, so if you want to check out the Patreon to support it, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast, and I do some exclusive shows on there as well with Dream Space and and post a few things here and there um so yeah that's just a you know really appreciate the support on patreon um as we just keep able to keep producing a lot more on um, dark crystal podcasts so yeah which, which is really awesome so now thank you all so much and um yeah definitely stay tuned for more trial by stone If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast and on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. If you'd like to support the show, subscribe to the podcast, write a review on Apple Podcasts and consider being our Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. 
Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone. This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever Dark Crystal Convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com.